Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. But the title for today is, Where's the Beef? Where's the Beef? Matthew 7, 19 to 20. And for those who are old enough to remember the commercial, we have a little treat for you here. So. It certainly is a big bun. It's a very big bun. Big fluffy bun. It's a very big fluffy bun. Where's the beef? Some hamburger places give you a lot less beef on a lot of bun. Where's the beef? At Wendy's, we serve a hamburger we modestly call a single. And Wendy's single has more beef than the Whopper or Big Mac. At Wendy's, you get more beef and less bun. Hey, where's the beef? I don't think there's anybody back there. You want something better. You're Wendy's kind of people. Nostalgia memory lane, right? Remember all those Where's the Beef commercials? We used to look forward to all the new ones. And uh, we're going to ask the same question today spiritually. Jesus really is asking the question here from Matthew 7, 15 to 20. In fact, let's read that to start off with. We'll read the whole passage, although we're only going to hit a couple verses today, the last couple. But Jesus said, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. And we've been talking about the last few weeks about this, how false teachers, false prophets, we recognize them by fruit by their beliefs that are exposed by their actions. This is the key. The beliefs that are exposed by the actions. And we saw we can apply this test to everyone from the president to the person sitting next to us. But the most important person that we need to test is moi, right? We have to test ourselves and and look at what Jesus is saying to us. Self-examination. And that's what we're going to do today. It's a great way to lead into communion, which is a time of reflection and reconnecting with God. But really to look at what, what's going on in our life and the fruit in our life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for bringing us through a week of many trials and, and grief and loss. And it's a, a week of reflection for every one of us. We pray, Lord, that your spirit would speak to us now through your word. And help us to really search our hearts and search our lives to find out if we're connected to you, if we're in Jesus Christ, and if we have a relationship with you through him. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, the last couple verses is the one I want to focus on, because if you've missed the last few weeks, get the CDs and uh, listen to the podcast. But verses 19, 20, Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, thus by their fruit you will recognize them. And we talked about how false te- we can tell the difference between a false teacher and a real teacher, a false prophet and a real prophet, by the fruit. But also for, for us as Christians, too, it's the same thing. We can tell if we're for real or not by our fruit. It's not what we say. It's not how successful we are or our ministry is or a pastor is or a prophet is. Or, it doesn't matter about outward appearances. It's not about outward appearances. It's about the fruit in our life. And, and the, the, we have to really ask ourselves this question. Is there fruit in our life? Very, very serious 
searching question. This is coming at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' major sermon in the Bible. comes at the end this point for a reason. He's, starting to, he's just taught all these things about what it means to, to follow him, and now he asks some very hard questions. Is there fruit in our life? In fact, in John 15, 1-2, a little parallel passage here with, with some of the teachings in it, he says in John 15, 1 and 2, it says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. If there's no fruit in our life, then our faith is not real, and God cuts us off. We're cut off. From, from a relationship with him, and someday cut off eternally, thrown into the fire, cut off and, and burned off. I know growing up on the farm, we would go to the orchards. Earlier on when I was younger, we had all kinds of orchards. We had cherry and apples and, and all kinds of orchards there. And I remember going through the orchards, and what we, we'd do in the spring is we go through, and whatever tree wasn't producing, <laughs> cut. You know, we'd Sometimes we'd cut off branches, but if it wasn't producing at all, that tree was cut down, and we put it in a pile, and we had a big bonfire. That's where I got my pyromania from. So, so we had big fires going on. We were just burning all the time. And that's what we would do to the branches and the trees that wouldn't bear fruit. But if it was fruitful, what does Jesus say? If a tree is fruitful, what does he do? Prunes it. And we would do the same thing. We'd go through that orchard every spring we'd go through there and we'd, we'd prune those trees we'd cut off branches we'd, there'd be a really good fruit tree and it was giving a lot of, of, of fruit but there'd be all these new branches coming off sapling, you know, whatever they're called branches coming off and we would go through and we would cut off my dad would cut off certain ones and the different people that worked there would cut off certain ones because why? because if there got too many it wouldn't produce fruit anymore and he would cut, they would cut off certain branches so that the, the, the branches that were left would produce maximum fruit. That's the pruning process. And that's what, that's what God does in our life. If we are fruitful, he will prune us. He, will, he, he wants us to be even more fruitful, so he'll cut back different things in our life. He'll cut out what is unnecessary. Could even be good things, right? These other branches are healthy, but they're unnecessary. They're keeping the tree from producing its, the maximum fruit it can do. Not necessarily bad, but remember we talked about this from Hebrews? Whatever hinders... Cut out whatever hinders in our life. And in our life, God does this constantly. I'm sure nobody here has ever experienced this, but, but God prunes us, right? And it's painful initially to be pruned, right? You cut that branch, it, it's painful. And we question God. God, what are you doing? Nobody here, but you probably know someone like that, right? Who questions God, but he knows what he's doing because he is the gardener. Jesus is the true vine and my father is the gardener. He's the master gardener. He knows exactly what to cut out of our life to achieve maximum fruitfulness. Do we like it? <laughs> not, not initially. Later on, we look back and say, now I get it. But at the time, well, at the time, we don't always appreciate what he's doing, right, with those, those, those clippers. What does spiritual fruit look like? What does, we're saying, is there fruit in our life? What does spiritual fruit look like in our life? Galatians 5, 19 to 20. The fruit of the Spirit. But I'm going to start a little before the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 19, he starts out saying, The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, 
factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. The key to letting the fruit of the Spirit grow in our life is we have to crucify the sinful self. And that's a, it's a one-time thing when we put our faith in Christ, but also it's a daily activity where we keep going back to God and keep asking Him to forgive us and keep asking us, Him to give us His mercy and grace. So we get, it's, a, it's a constant battle to keep on Killing and cutting out whatever is hurting us spiritually. Whatever is grieving the Holy Spirit has to be constantly cut out of our life. So that once that, when we do that, we keep keeping it clean. When we do that, the fruit of the Holy Spirit can grow. And look at that fruit. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. That whole list of fruit that the the Holy Spirit, notice that the, the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit isn't just outward, but it's inward. It starts in the heart and it's manifested by actions. Each of those you can trace to the heart and then to outward actions that come out of it. Every one of them, it's inside and outside. A lot of people say, well, we, we we try to look good on the outside, but God's not just, fruit isn't just outward, there's an inward part to fruit. I remember growing up on the farm and, and with, with the fruit, we, I used, one of my favorite things was to eat cherries. And we had a whole orchard, sweet cherries, sour cherries. I love to eat those cherries. But my dad, in time, we, we got rid of all the fruit because it wasn't making enough money. We, it wasn't producing enough. So he got rid of that. We just went to dairy cows. So he pushed out all the orchards, but he left one cherry tree right next to our house. He left this big old cherry tree. And I remember just going out there, and as soon as they were ready, the cherries were ready, we'd climb up into the branches, and we'd just stay up there for hours just eating cherries and eating cherries. It was great. The only problem is... Once we stopped mass-producing fruit, my dad stopped spraying them for worms, right? And, and he stopped spraying them to kill the bugs and the worms. So these cherries looked great, but you never knew what was inside of them. And, 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 when, and I remember sometimes taking that fruit. It looked so good. I said, I better check this. And I'd bite the cherry, and I'd open it up and knock the pit out. And sure enough, often there was a big worm right inside that cherry. And I'm like, ah, darn. But, but sometimes I said, who cares? I just eat them anyway. Yeah, yeah. But it looked good, but there's worms. And, and my dad was, always told me this one story. He used to have peaches when he was a kid. And, and he was selling, they would, had an orchard of peaches. And the guy came to buy the peaches. They would back, back, this was way back, you know, the 50s. And the guy would come out to the farm with his truck and he'd buy the peaches from the farmer and take it to the market. And he, he came and he was going to take the peaches of my grandpa. And my dad was there and he said he was watching. And, and he said, the guy... And I can't remember if it was my grandpa or one of the uncles or something, but one of them was trying to sell, trying to barter, sell these peaches for a certain price. And the guy goes, well, I know, they look pretty good. Are they wormy? And he, took, he picked up one, he bit it, he goes, are they wormy? And they go, and there was a, my dad said there was a worm just sticking out of it, like looking around, like, what happened to my house, you know? And, you know, they're doing one of these things, right? And, 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 and my, my grandpa, whoever was trying to sell it, said, uh, no, no, there's no worms. He goes, okay. And he bit, it. he bit the worm and ate the worm. He goes, this tastes pretty good. I guess I'll buy it. Yeah. But, but that happens a lot of fruit you buy just by the way, especially your organic fruit eaters. You're eating worms. But anyway, the, uh, but, it, but they're healthy worms. They're not toxic. But 
But that, a lot of times we think of, we think the outside's good, everything's good, what we show on the outside, but God's interested in what's inside, what, what's inside of us. What are we like, really? What are we like at home? <laughs> Nobody, no, yeah, worry. Don't don't anybody elbow, uh, wives don't elbow your husbands, right? But, but what are we like at home? What are we like with our kids? What are we like... Well, only God knows what's going on in our mind and in our heart. What are we really like? That's where the real fruit is. And it's vital to see this fruit because that's what proves that our faith is real. That's what proves that we really have put our faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, in 2 Peter, in 2 Peter 2, uh, verse, chapter 1, verse 10 says this. He says, Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never f- fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He says, make your calling and election sure. What makes us sure that our calling is real, that our election is real? What makes us sure that our faith is real? Back up a couple, ver- just, we just have to back up a couple verses in that same passage. Verse 5, for this very reason... Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to your goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. Um, I was, I'm going to, this is all free here, I'm going to give you a little more on this. Uh, I was, I love this passage, and I was trying to get my kids to remember it, but it's, it's, it's a hard list to remember. So I put it to music, all right? I always put it to, to a song to help me remember things, especially now that I'm over 50. I have to do this. And, and you know that song, John Jacob Jingleheimer Smith? John, my name is John Jingle Jingleheimer Smith. His name is my name, too. Whenever we go out, the people always shout, there goes John Jacob Jingleheimer Smith. Da, 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 da. Okay, so that, that verse, I, it hit me like a, 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 a it was a revelation. Uh, that, this, that fits this. Now get this. So I'm just, this is free. So you're going to be able, everybody's going to remember this after this. So, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, L-O-V-E, love. All right, Sam? Sam? I'm not going to put that on, you know, iTunes or anything, but, yeah. But, but you see how you can remember a song, though? You can remember a verse, though? You, you can always remember a song, a tune, a song. Think of the commercials where you remember, you know, from... From forever ago, you know, where's the beef? You know, whatever, we can remember something with music. Take a verse and put it to music, sing it a couple times, and you won't forget it. It's just amazing. And it doesn't matter if it, I barely fit that. It was like shoehorning it, right? But, but, but it fit, and, and I can remember that verse because of it. So, but anyway, the whole point here is, notice those, those the, what that list there, doesn't that sound a lot like Galatians 5, the fruit of the Holy Spirit? There's a lot of parallels there. And the idea is that we, we should see this growing in our life. We should see it growing in our life. In fact, right after verse 7 and verse 8, it says, For you, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, get that, increasing measure, 
They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he's been cleansed from his past sins. If we don't see these increasing, bad things are happening to us spiritually, right? But we should see them increasing in our life. Now notice something, it doesn't say full measure. It doesn't say full measure, it says increasing measure. Full measure is the completed process. That's the perfected process. We've already been over this many times. We are not going to be perfected here on this planet, right? But we should see progression. We're about progress, not perfection. And, And this is really important because there's two perspectives when it comes to seeing fruit in our life. Number one is that there's no fruit and I don't need any fruit because I'm saved. I put my, I raised my hand. I put my faith in Jesus. I heard Billy Graham on TV. I can live any way I want. And there are a lot of people like that in the USA today. That's one mess up with us. The second, though, problem, and I think this is probably more common here at our church, is that we beat ourselves up. Maybe there's a day where you lose it. Don't anybody raise their hand. All right, we lose it. We have a really bad day. And, and so we start to uh, feel the accusation. Maybe even someone else accuses us. So we start to feel the accusation. Satan accuses us. Self-accusation. See, I'm not a Christian. It's, I, I must not be a Christian. This can't, this can't be real because I'm, I'm just messing up. Listen, he says increasing measure. And I tell people all this all the time. Look at where you were a year ago. That's what you look at. You don't look at how bad you messed up today. Look at how you were a year ago when you used to mess up like this every other day, right? Look at 10 years ago. What was your life like 10 years ago? Yeah, okay, you lost it today, but but that's how you lived 10 years ago, every day. And that's the key to look at it. It's, It's about progress, not perfection. We should see this in increasing measure, increasing measure. As we get ready here to get ready for communion in just a moment how is god speaking to us about our life what's the fruit life fruit like in my life are the fruit of the spirit do am i seeing that increasing in my life <clears throat> and the key is with communion is staying connected this is communion but one time but the whole point of communion is to connect to god and to, to keep this going every day stay connected to him where's the beef Where's, where's our beef? Where's, where's the beef? Is the fruit good inside and outside? Or are there spiritual worms <laughs> in our life? Are there spiritual worms in our life that are, that are hurting us? Am I sure my faith is real? This passage just hit me hard. I, I'm a pastor, right? I'm like, oh man, I'm like, I was getting nervous, you know, because it really is searching, right? Is my faith real? Is it real? Not is Jesus real. I know he's real. But is my faith real? Is, is the fruit really happening in my life? Will it hold up under trials? In testing? In refining? In pruning? We, you know, we, we, hearing about Robert yesterday, and those who knows, knew Robert with, at the, the memorial service yesterday, his life and, and his death were an amazing picture of increasing fruit. Amazing, just how he held up under knowing that he was going to be going home soon. But his, the fruit in his life was just amazing. Everybody was amazed by his life. That, 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 that he was going through an ultimate trial. 
And yet they said he never got mad at God. And it's not wrong to be mad at God. We, I, we all get mad at God. David, Psalms, mad at God a lot. So it's okay if we get mad at God. We've got to work through it, but it's okay. But, but Robert didn't. It was amazing. That's the fruit in his life, that he didn't lose it that way. And God used him to touch so many lives. So many. And that's what God wants to do in our life. He wants to use our lives and how we handle our trials. He wants to use us to touch other people. Are we seeing that fruit increasing? Are we seeing the conviction in our life increasing? How we don't watch the same things or think the same things or do the same things or listen to the same things anymore because we have this increasing conviction in our life. We're, becoming, we're seeing that happening in our life, that increasing fruit, that increasing conviction. We still fall, but the conviction is increasing in our life. We see that transforming power in our life. I, I've used this illustration many times, but it's like electricity. Remember being you know, around our, the past year, we had this electric fence Right and I and it, we it was to keep the cows in and hopefully the deer out although they used to run it down all the time but but that every once in a while we'd be out doing something with the cows or we'd be out playing near the pasture and and somehow we'd you know it's, it sounds crazy but we'd, somehow we'd end up grabbing a hold of that fence you know just weren't thinking you know we were getting ready to climb over the electric fence and and one of us one of us would grab it and I don't know if you've ever grabbed an electric fence. I think there's still a few farms around. Just go try it. Just to see what it's like. You know, I'm, I'm kidding, right? But, but it shakes you. It just like shakes you. And whenever one of us did it, we'd be a group of kids there. And we, nobody had to say, why is he shaking, you know? Oh, you know, what, what's going on? We knew why. They grabbed a whole offense, you know? And, and, be, and you couldn't let go. That was the worst part. You knew you were getting shocked. And you just couldn't let go. Go, you know, and and finally you would, and you'd be like, oh, we all be laughing, ha ha, unless it was us, right? And and but we knew when when you get a hold of electricity, people don't have to say, why are you shaking? They know there's power going through you, and that's what should be happening in our life. People should see us and see the God's power in our life. They can, they 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 should be able to see that it's transforming. Power, But the problem is too many of us don't have that power. We lose that power. With that fence, sometimes a tree would fall down but, and, and knock it down. We'd have to go. But what we, one of my jobs as a kid was we'd go up to the, there was a box. I don't even know what it was called, transformer or something. And, and it was a box with a button on it. And it, would, and it would blink, and you could tell how hot the fence was, how much electricity was flowing through it by the box. I remember we'd go up and push on the button, it was a red button, and, and how much the, the blinking, how bright it was, and how often it blinked told us what the current was like in that fence. And if it wasn't very good, this is what communion is, examining the electricity, right? If it wasn't strong, it was real light, dim and not blinking right, uh-oh, we got work to do. Now, there may be a, a, a branch down there, but usually it was the weeds. The weeds were growing up. The weeds were growing up. We had these sickles, and we'd go out, and we'd just start walking the fence. And that was what we did. We'd walk the fence, and we'd chop weeds and chop weeds and chop weeds because the weeds would grow up, or a branch would be hitting it, and we'd have to cut the branch off because something was interfering with the electric current. That's what would happen is, is something was, was, was happening, and that's what happens in our life spiritually. We allow something to break our fellowship, to break our communion, to break our connection. It's usually sin, or it's disobedience, or, or we don't want to surrender. Uh, 
too, so many times we want salvation, but we don't want sanctification, right? We want salvation, but we want, we want sanctification, which God transforms us. He makes us holy like himself. He makes us like Jesus Christ. And we don't want that. We allow the weeds to grow up. But, but oftentimes, it's not even the weeds, but we just are trying to dodge God. We're just kind of dodging what he wants for our life. You ever dodge God? We all do, don't we? We're just dodging. We know he wants something in our life, and we dodge him. He says, don't, we see what his word says, and we go against it, and we make decisions against God's word, or we, we just, we, we, we want his salvation. We want that ticket to heaven. We want to go to heaven. Nobody wants to go to hell, right? We all want to go to heaven, but we don't want to give him our life. We don't want to give him the lordship of our life. But remember, it's Jesus as Savior and Lord. They go together, right? And, but we, we try to dodge him. I, electric fence. The electric fence was this big circle, but we had this other part where we would drive the tractors through and I've, not, I've talked about this defense before with the, the tractor you could drive through and it had the, it was like on these swivels and it was like these plastic poles with all these plastic wires hanging down at the end there's these metal endings and that's where the electricity would come through and that allowed us to drive in on a tractor through the fence but the cows couldn't walk out because if they tried to walk out as soon as their nose hit that that those wires hanging out they got a shock Used to be, we used to enjoy watching this, right? So uh, they, they got the point after a little while. But the cow walk up, shock, they jump back. And so we, 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 I don't know how we discovered this, but we realized that the electricity comes in a pulse, you know? You know, it, you know, it, it doesn't, electricity is a constant. It, it like hits, hits, hits. And we started daring each other one day, and we discovered that you could dive through that fence, and if you dove through it when the electricity was like, on the, the, the downside, you didn't get a shock. And I don't know, I was like the luckiest person ever or something. They called me Lucky Chucky. Everybody called me that on the farm. I could dive through that fence, and I did not get a shock. Everybody else, whack me. I dodged through shocks, yelling, screaming, well, laughing. You know. I, I must have dove through that fence a hundred times. I was dodging that electricity. But one day... <laughs> One day, I did it every day. I was lucky, Jackie, right? And one day, I just remember I'm, I'm just going out, and everybody else is walking around. I said, like, "What are you guys wimps?" You know, I, I dove through it, and I'll never forget. It hit me in the shoulder. That's what. I just like it was like a gunshot. You know, boom, you know I was like, you know, it sparks you, and you hit it, and I was like, "Whoa!" And I, I, I was sitting there now, all laughing. You know, yeah, you're lucky, right? And uh, and and I never did. I never dodged that fence again because it hurt. And that is what happens with us. We dodge God. We dodge him, we dodge him, and we think we're getting away with something because, yeah, I know what the Bible says, and I know what he wants from me, but I got my ticket to heaven. I'm going to live my way, life the way I want to live it. But all of a sudden, God zaps us. He zaps us. He disciplines us. And he knocks us on our butt. And he wakes us up. And that's what will happen. If we're really a Christian, we can dodge God, but in time, he's going to zap us. He's going to discipline us. His power is going, to, is, going to, is going to get there. And this is what I want to say. If you have never, if you're saying, am I really a Christian? If there's never been a change in your life, a transforming power, you grab the fence, you know, or if you've never been zapped by God, you've been living the way you want to live, and, and there's no zapping going on, odds are you're not a Christian. Because there has to be a change, or there has to be a discipline in our life, because if they're not, we're not a Christian. I remember a guy, a friend of mine, he, uh, he, a good friend of mine, he left his wife. He was having an affair. He, he left his wife, 
And, and I called him, and, and, and I said, listen, I've got to talk to you. You know, you've got to go back to your wife. You've got to stop this affair. This isn't right, you know. And you're a Christian. He was a real committed Christian. And he said, I said, and he just said, I'm just going to do this. I'm not going to listen. You're the only one who's told me this, you know. I said, Here we go, right? So I said, listen, God, you will never be happy in your sin. It's gonna, you might enjoy it for a little while, but God's going to discipline you. You're going to be miserable in it. God will discipline you. It's going to be painful. You're going to regret the day you left your wife and kids to go off. You're going to regret it. And he said, well, listen, my dad was a Christian, and he did this to my mom. He left my mom, and he's been happy ever since. Nothing bad's ever happened to him. He's been happy ever since. He's He's just gone on with life. I said, well, let me tell you something. I hate to be the one to break this to you, but your dad is not a Christian. He goes, what do you mean? He said he was a No, 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 you don't get it. He's not a Christian. Because if your dad was a Christian, either he would be disciplined by God. If he was a Christian, he would be disciplined. Because if he's not disciplined, if someone claims they're a Christian, they live in open, hardened, unrepentant sin in God's sight, and they're never disciplined, never convicted, they're living happy, guess what? They're lost. That's not a real Christian. Because it's a, God promises, I will discipline those I love. He promises to discipline us. He will not leave us out of fellowship. He will not leave us in sin. And, and my friend didn't listen to me. I don't, I don't even know what happened. But I said, listen, your dad's facing judgment. There's not discipline. He's facing judgment. That's what he's facing. If, we, if there's never any change in our life or discipline from God in our life, we're not a Christian. And someday God's power will result in judgment. In judgment in our life. God's power, instead of that electric fence transforming us, instead of that electricity zapping us and disciplining us, that electricity, God's power, will judge us, will kill us, will, will condemn us for eternity. That's what it'll do. That's what that elect power, electric power will do. And I've seen it happen. On the farm, I remember our neighbors... It was hay season, and at hay season, all the kids go to whoever's farm, and they help out, and sometimes the dads will pay the kids a dollar an hour, and they'll work up in that hay mow. And I remember our next-door neighbor had neighborhood kids over there working in their hay mow, and something shorted out on the electric elevator. And one of our neighbors, one of the kids, one of our friends, leaned against it to get the hay bale off, and he got an electric shock, and he was killed. Killed. And you don't think that scared us? The warning to us? There wasn't a day after that that whenever we did the hay, I'll never forget, my dad would plug it in and he would go like this. He'd feel the elevator to make sure it wasn't short out. And as the hay bells were coming up, we'd be like feeling it just to make sure. We were scared. But that's what God's power will do. It's either going to transform us it's going to zap and discipline us, or someday it's going to judge us. God's power can either save us, transform us, or judge us. That's a decision every one of us have to make. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you ever given your life to Jesus Christ? That's what communion is all about, that Jesus came and gave his body and blood. He let himself be sacrificed on the cross to take our punishment on that cross. Perfect Son of God came to die in our place to be our substitute 
That's what the Bible teaches. He's our substitute. He's taken our place. He's taken our sin on himself. His body and blood is a sacrifice for our sin. And if we will repent of our sin, say, God, whatever in my life goes against your word and your will for me, I repent of it. I ask you to forgive me. And I put my faith in your son, Jesus Christ. Communion is all about putting my faith in your son, Jesus Christ. For that forgiveness, his Holy Spirit will come in and transform. That transforming power. And communion is all about remembering that. Remembering how Jesus died for us. How he gave his body and blood for us. And when we take it, we're remembering. That we're remembering what he did for us. That, that power, that transforming power. And that now we have communion with his father. We can connect with his father. He's now our daddy. Our father. Because of what his son Jesus did for us. 1 Corinthians 11, as we get ready here to take communion. At 1 Corinthians 11, Paul writes about communion itself, and it's a really searching passage where he says in verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. It's a time to examine ourselves. Are we really a Christian? Is there fruit in our life? Is there some sin in our life that's hurting our relationship with God? The weeds that are growing up. What we're going to do in just a moment is have some, a time of prayer, and then we'll have some music going and, and worship time. But, but if you feel led to take communion today, we'll just come on up. Take the, take the bread, take the cup back to, to your seat. You could sit up here. You could kneel down and pray. You can go back to your seat. You can take it by yourself with somebody. There's no right or wrong way to do this. This is just between each one of us and God. But there's no pressure to take this either. If, if you're not a Christian yet, or if there's something in our life that we haven't surrendered, then we shouldn't take it. But I hope that if you're not a Christian, you put your faith in Christ here and now. And can commune not just here but every day. And I pray that if there's something in our life that we need to surrender, that we do it. So that we can come and commune with him now and every day. Because the point of this isn't that we're perfect. But we're willing to surrender and repent and give God whatever he's asking us to give up to him. I hope everybody does that. But it's just between you and God. We're not 
keeping track. It's just between us and God. Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer and preparation, how is God speaking to us? Maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You've never given your life to him. And his Holy Spirit is saying, today's the day. Today's the day to be forgiven. Today's the day to start your brand new life, your life of transformation, of starting the spiritual battle and becoming who God has created us to be in Jesus Christ. Right where you're sitting, you can give your life to God right where you're sitting. A prayer from your heart to God's heart. It's not a magic prayer, but something like, God, I repent of everything in my life. All the sin, all the garbage, all the disobedience, I repent of it all. I don't want to live apart from your will anymore. I want to live the life you have for me. I ask you to forgive me. Through your son Jesus, through his death on that cross, for me, I ask for forgiveness. I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to him. If you've prayed that prayer of faith, you don't have to fear judgment from God. God has become your father. And you can commune with him, not just this morning, but every day, all day long. I want to encourage you to let somebody know, whether you have a friend here, or you want to fill out the card and stick it in the box, or tell me, or email me, or call me. Tell someone so that we can encourage you and help you grow in your new faith. And be excited for you. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, Where's the beef? What do we need to bring before God today? What area of our life do we need to surrender? What sin do we need to repent of? What, what do we need to give over to God so that we can commune with him today? Because I pray that every one of us can. But it's between each one of us and God. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts now whether it takes this morning or whether it takes weeks, I pray that we would surrender and, and crucify what we need to crucify and allow your spirit to produce fruit in our life. Pray this in Jesus' name.